down in your stories on the rocks Spread around the gas cause it's time to torch the stock But you gotta move quick before you send your own hair Who knew there was a homeless guy sleeping in there? Better Ladies and gentlemen, this is It's All Good Man, The Better Better Call Saul Podcast <laughs> How's it going, Dave? <laughs> awesome uh, and this is Brian, as you're probably well aware, and Dave and I are actually recording remotely today. So once again, it's a little weird watching you on this little Skype window on the computer, Dave. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of used to it. That that little uh, Vaseline effect it has on your face moves out, you know, makes you look better to me. Well, it needs a lot of Vaseline because I am not an attractive individual. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it creeps me out so much to do the whole Skype thing. Uh, maybe I'm like... Um, like 17th century pilgrims or some shit. Like I, I think it's gonna like steal my soul. I don't, I don't know. It just fucking weirds me out. I don't like it, but, but we're gonna muscle through it. If you stab a man in the dead of winter, the steam rises from the wound. The Indians believe it's the soul escaping from the body. <laughs> Is that true? That's from Wayne's World. <laughs> no. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, this episode, I believe, is episode 14, and we have like a really awesome uh, special guest, Ray Seahorn, who, of course, plays Kim Wexler on Better Call Saul. Absolutely. It was a... Yeah. It was a fun phone conversation, right? How cool was that that she uh, sat down with us to talk? It was extremely cool, especially since she took the time to listen to our show beforehand. She... what what I really enjoyed about the phone conversation is, uh, you know, she just sounded genuinely nice and genuinely interested to talk to yeah, us. Yeah, I like that genuine because everything she said was a, like how much she enjoys what she's doing. Like she really enjoys the process behind it. Absolutely, and she she couldn't have been more more gracious with us. She was uh, she was uh, joking around quite a bit, and she actually busted me out for accidentally calling uh, Better Call Saul a Breaking Bad <laughs> ripoff as opposed to a Breaking Bad spin. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> oh my god okay so before we get into this any, anybody listening um when 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 dave and i do interviews for this or nothing important like i have a list of questions that i write and i'm trying to listen to the conversation and trying to pay attention to them as well as keeping time because i you know if somebody gives us 15 20 minutes i i don't want to go over the 15 20 right, minutes right. right and so i always trip up words and so you'll hear in the interview that i i said oh blah 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 a better call saw rip off but that made me feel even like more of an ass dave because when i called uh her agency to actually set up the interview i like a dumbass pronounced her name Rhea <laughs> instead of ray no it was Rhea. Yeah, i Rhea. pronounced her name Rhea. because I, I knew a girl back in college spelt the same way pronounced it right. Rhea. so i call up and i'm like uh yeah i'm looking for I'm looking for, um, I'm looking to make an interview request for Rhea Seahorn. And, uh, immediately they were like, uh, you mean Ray? I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> like, okay, well there, there goes our interview. So there's no way in hell she's going to do probably it. Probably get that. I'm sure she gets that all the time. Probably. But, but her agent, very cool. It was, it was so nice of her to, to set it up. And, you know, maybe before we get into season two, a better call solved, maybe she can come back on the show and hang out with yeah, us Yeah, hopefully. Again. I mean, she really was a, a, it was a good experience. She made it pleasurable for us. Absolutely. And really easy to talk to, yeah. too. And she had good answers, and she was very well rehearsed in the art of interviewing. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So uh, I hope everybody out there listening, uh, whether you're listening to this on Nothing Important Podcast or if you're listening to it on It's All Good Man, 
Uh, please enjoy the interview. It was an honor for me and Dave to have her on. And more importantly, I want to let everybody know that there, I don't believe we could have done something like that without all of you. Right. She even, uh, Ray even mentioned uh, a kudos to our fans for their insight and their participation in what we're doing, which is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for participating. I know Dave and I say it a lot, but, but thank you so much. Um, I'm going to keep on trying to get uh, these wonderful uh, these wonderful interviews for both of the shows that we do, and I hope that you enjoy Ray Seahorn as she talks with Brian and Dave. You better go Ladies and gentlemen, on the Someone Important Hotline, Ray Seahorn. Ray, thanks for being on the show. <laughs> That's a very interesting hotline. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> it's, it's the Someone Important Hotline. <laughs> That's amazing. I don't think I've ever been on that short list, so that's exciting. <laughs> oh, well, we're glad to add you to it. Um, first off, before we start, congrats on a uh, great first season of Better Call Saul. Thank you. I was so proud. Of, we were so proud of it when we were making it, just, you know, and trying to build the best show that the best structure you can build in this great, rich storytelling from Vincent Peters, which then months later get to see everybody receive it. And then they actually really invest in it and, and, um, and have like, has been just, just amazing. Just an amazing experience. Yeah. It's, it seems like, uh, it seems like you guys have a, have a lot of fun. So I, I'm sure on set, um, I, I know you're working hard, but I can only imagine uh, you probably have a lot of fun uh, as well. We do, we do, but it's a hard-working crew. Um, it is an amazing crew that are much uh, made up of most of the same people from um, Breaking Bad. They're kind of a well-oiled machine. Um, mm-hmm. But we shoot a lot of exteriors and a lot of um, on-location and practical shots. And so, you know, a lot of the night shots are not day for night. They are night, and so there were some very long nights. Bob Odenkirk certainly was... <laughs> Four to fourth unstoppable train. Um, so there was. Some, I mean, you have you have fun, and even when you are up till two o'clock in the morning shooting, then people get a little you know a little daffy. But uh, but it was a it was a very hardworking but close knit group of people um, that were constantly you know your downtime. You just started rehearsing another scene that you were doing to see if you could get it, get it better. Um, people people almost didn't want to step away from the work, which was its own sort of fun. Well, good. Uh, Breaking Bad ended in uh, September of 2013, and almost immediately, uh, internet rumors and such started swirling about a, a Saul Goodman ripoff. Uh, when, when about did you audition for Better Call Saul? Wait a second. Did you call it a ripoff? I think I did. I meant spinoff. I, I sometimes speak incorrectly. <laughs> I'm like, well, it is Vincent Peters' character. <laughs> right. Uh, here, here's the thing, Ray. Uh, you mentioned you've heard a few of my uh, a few of our podcasts, so I'm I'm sure, as you know, sometimes uh, sometimes I I say dumb things, <laughs> and I, I refuse to correct them because I, I just like to let it roll. <laughs> oh, good. I mostly say dumb things, so that's fine. Um. So, uh, when about did you start auditioning for Better Call Saul? Mm, gosh, when was it? Oh, wow. I cannot think of... I'm sorry. I can't... It was like a couple of months before they, we started shooting, which was 
June, I think, of last year. Um, and I went in a number of times. Uh, the really amazing um, casting directors, Sharon Bialy, Sherry Thomas, and Russell Scott, that also did Breaking Bad, uh, knew a lot of my work. Um, a larger body of work than anyone has seen because they did, I've done many models for them that never went anywhere. But uh, <laughs> they were great, and they thought of me, and I had um, been in them on a couple of things that just uh, where they asked me to do a lot of different character takes on things and something out of that made them think that I would be a good fit with Vincent Peter to to tell this story. And then I met with them and read with them and then I met Bob and read with him. And um and yeah, a couple months later I needed to move to Albuquerque. <laughs> no. <laughs> so they had they had you in mind specifically for the for the Kim character or did they just know that they wanted to have you on the show, and then they felt that Kim was the best fit for you. It was for the Kim. It was always for the Kim character, but uh, most of us got different dyes, like fake dyes, which is just, um, for anybody that doesn't know, that's, it's called copy or size, and it's a couple of pages um, out of a script that are the lines, the, the parts of scenes um, that you'll be reading just for the audition. So we all got fake dyes and fake character names. So that if any of it got leaked or got out there, um, people would not really be able to put put it together which characters is whose and who's been cast as what. Um, and my, uh, so mine said Beth, and it was not a lawyer. It was like a bunch of I think I played multiple different characters with multiple different names, and then they would sort of direct you to play these scenes with the characteristics that they wanted Ken to have grafted mm. into those lines. <laughs> it was a, it was cool. It was a it was a really kind of mind bending, like one of your more difficult but fun uh, like acting workshops or something. It was um, it was intensive and and just been great though to get to leave and know like I I definitely left it on the floor. I've definitely done everything I could do. You know, there was no other way to come at this line. <laughs> well, I would, I would say whatever they did definitely worked because you know the the characters and the interaction on the show was pretty fantastic. Oh, thank you. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> when you were going through casting and such, uh, did you have any idea how important Kim would be in Jimmy's life? No, none. Um, I did not know. My my final audition scene, uh, you know, when AMC and Sony and everybody have to agree to the casting and, um, and Vincent Peter were there and all of my amazing producers and you're reading with Bob, also somewhat of a chemistry read. And as soon as they're saying that, you get some idea of like, okay, my relationship with with the stall character is some sort of linchpin here. Um, and it was actually, <laughs> it was the phone call scene where I'm telling him, like, I'm not talking dirty to you. And uh, I think it's like episode two or three. And then he's, yeah, I think it's three. And um, when he called me in the middle of the night, and there's all this intimacy implied, but there's also um, some kind of camaraderie about the law and what what's ethical and what's not ethical and gentle ribbing and then sort of more aggressive ribbing. Um, there's a sexiness and a charmingness and it's like, it was like everything all rolled into one and you could play it a million different ways. And they did let us play it a lot of different ways, um, which is fun. And I mean, that's when I sort of was like, I feel like definitely if this must be a relationship character with Saul and it seems like she must be a lawyer. Um, and, <laughs> It just kind of, you know, you play the circumstances they gave you, and then I would kind of each time make up a three-dimensional person 
that has life that's between the lines, you know, so that it was like, okay, if you if you have XYZ as your clues and you work backwards and say what would make someone say that or behave this way or do that so that you can have the life that comes um, before you say things and, and give yourself a, a reason to have a reaction to what it is that. I find it yeah. fascinating that, that that's the scene that you use for the, the major read because we, uh, Brian and I always looked at that scene as like the, the penultimate scene between the relationship between Jimmy and Kim. And that's, you know, it, it raises a lot of questions. So it's very cool that you had all those questions as you were doing it. Yeah, it was, it, it was great. And then also, um, more and more, I realized these are two people who, um, let their guard down with each other. Um, there's a, you know, all of their scenes were like alone, like talking to each other on the phone or late at night in the nail salon. And um, you see, you see very different sides of both of them when they are each other's confidants and alone, which was such a, just such a really great and beautiful thing to explore to have that because we all kind of have that 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 little microcosm where you can just be you. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and it was and it was really it was really fun. I when I when I did get cast, though, they called. <laughs> I totally didn't make fun of this now because Vince and Peter know it. But my agent had called me when I when AMC and Sony and everybody agreed that um, that it would be me. And you know, I was thrilled to have even auditioned at that level for all of them. And of course, in Marty's part, but you can't hold your breath or you'll. Explode, literally and figuratively. So, um, <laughs> and they called me, and I was bored, and I was walking down the street, and I was with my um, my fiance, and we were going to dinner, and I just started crying and just burst into tears, and was so happy, and makeup running down my face. We couldn't go to dinner anymore, and I'm just running around like a freak on the corner at Venice Beach. And um, my agent says quickly, she goes, "No, no, no, hang on, I need to tell you, you have to agree to a few things really quickly before we get off the phone." I was like, "What? What? Yeah, what? I already signed away everything. You have to move to Albuquerque, whatever you want." And so she said, uh, "Well, they're going to release things little by little to you know deadline and various um, media uh, outlets to say who's been cast and and because you can't tell anyone." And my agent, I adore, and she has incredible volume in her voice. So my fiance could already hear her anyway, and he can see me crying. I'm like, well, he already knows. And she's like, that's fine, but don't tell anybody else. He said, okay, <laughs> you know, just for a few days. But also when, um, when they announce it, when it does come out, you need to just agree with whatever it is that the way that they put it out to Deadline and everybody else, um, Hollywood Reporter and all of those places. I said, fine, fine. She said, well, I'm just saying that because they're going to change, um, to change your name. And so they're going to use the name Beth, and you need to agree that yes, that that that's you. And I had forgotten that one at one point my character in in because I auditioned for a while, and I had forgotten that Beth was one of the names on one of the sides of the characters that I played. So I thought she meant me, that Ray Seahorn. I need to change my name to Beth. <laughs> <laughs> agree when when my mom calls me tomorrow. So it's like so. I thought you, so you didn't get the part? Some girl named, and I was like, sad. I was like, wow, so no one will even know I guess we'll pick some woman named Beth, or do I have to tell people my name is Beth, and aren't my friends going to go like, no, it's not, what the hell are you talking about, and <laughs> I'm just going to have to act like I've lost my mind. And she was like, it's just for a few days, and so I just agreed, and my fiance, who could hear it all, was like, 
wait a second, you have to change your name? And then I got all defensive. And I was like, it's fine. That's just in Hollywood. That stuff happens. And it's <laughs> Totally thought I had to change my name for two days. But I didn't. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's, uh, Dave and I often go back to uh, the scene uh, in the first episode where uh, Jimmy comes out, kicks kicks the crap out of the garbage can, and then you're leaning against a okay. wall, and he and he takes the cigarette out of uh, out of your mouth, yeah. takes the drag off of it, and hands it back. And uh, the way that they play that, it was it, it was it was super ambiguous because Dave and I were watching, we're like. Mm. Well, who the hell is that? Where's <laughs> what is like? You can't just walk up to a stranger and take a cigarette. So she obviously has right? to be somebody, somebody very important. And then, uh, you know, it, it seems, you know, just as you said, there, there's a lot of affection be, between the two of them. But the actual nature of their relationship is kind of left up to the imagination of the the viewing audience. And uh, Dave and I on it saw a good man. We went kind of back and forth in a few episodes talking about it. And then uh, the robot sex voice <laughs> was brought up, and we're like, "Whoa!" Like, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> so, so, uh, so, do you think um, it, coming up in season two? Do you think that there will be more exploration about maybe like the romantic or like previous romantic feelings that that Kim and Jimmy had towards each other? You know, I mean, I can tell you with the utmost honesty that I don't know anything. They're in the writer's room now, and they're not telling me anything. Um, but I can only imagine that they will continue this kind of onion-peeling layering that they do so well with characters, and my character was um, particularly enigmatic and was just, about, just as much about what she didn't say or express as what she did, um, which was fun to play, too. You know, all the all the times that she chooses not to um, show all her cards or let her guard down or say something. Uh, and, and I love playing that. And I love that they gave us the breathing room in our scenes when it was just Bob and I to play um, the intimacy that's between the lines. You know, like, mm-hmm. if you know someone that well and you're that close, they can, there's almost nothing that could be said at face value. It's always, like, has some other <laughs> context or sub or subtext to you and, I just kept making clues like the scene you were talking about, which is one of my all-time favorite scenes I've ever gotten to shoot. And um, and it didn't hurt that it was shot like film noir or an Edward Hopper painting by this brilliant um, uh, Albert So, uh, our DP. And um, I was just, uh, I remember just thinking like the same thing you said. You don't take a cigarette out of somebody's mouth and put it back in. Right. You know them very, very well. Right. <laughs> uh, and she doesn't. She doesn't flinch. That's the other thing. And, and they write. They're very. They're um, explicit with their. Uh, Arthur Albert. Sorry, the DP. I just put his last name. Like I'm in gym class. I don't know why, but it's Arthur Albert. Um, they they're explicit in their stage directions that Kim doesn't flinch when he does that. So it's mm-hmm. just hmm. it's amazing. You get very detailed things about your character that are almost like some of the fine brushwork without the broad strokes instead of the other right. way around. Right. And, um, and you, so you just keep this character, their characteristics, it feels like they just keep coming more into focus. Um, you know, you're getting a little more detail, a little more detail, and then you realize what's appearing in front of you. But I think it gives them all the freedom in the world to take the characters any way they want to, too. Nothing ever feels like a clever stunt when their characters change. Even the Chuck character in 109, made me cry every time I saw it. I saw it at a panel. I saw it being filmed. I cried every time they shot it. Um, <laughs> I cried when it came on table. It's, it's excruciating. And um, 
But it wasn't, we were never like, oh, you hid that being a possibility from us just to be clever. It was more like you could go back and watch the whole season and realize that that was absolutely an organic undercurrent with this person the whole time. And it has finally, you know, bubbled over. Right. And now everyone can see it. So it's fun learning those things and, and getting a script and finding out, like, oh, we were in the mailroom together 10 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And they picked me to put through law school and not him um, and to get a chance in the firm. And why is that? And what does that do to the relationship? What does it do to his relationship with the firm? And what does it do to his relationship with me? And it was great. I would Im- So all I can say is I would imagine that they're going to continue that kind of um, exploration and, and, uh, and keep following that. But I don't, I don't know anything specific. Speaking of uh, speaking of Chuck, you, you kind of touched on that a bit. What do you think Kim's uh, reaction to Howard was when when uh, he told Kim, you know, that Chuck was kind of pulling all the strings and and Chuck was actually the one working against Jimmy? How do you think How do you think your character Kim reacted to that? I thought about that a lot because that reaction would be between that scene and when I go to the nail salon to tell him to take the deal, and um, and he berates me. And I just sort of stand there and take it because I don't want to tell him why. Um, I think she is devastated for Jimmy. Um, however, I don't... It showed little about what I thought about Chuck prior to that, but I, she definitely thinks he's... I think she looked up to him, um, especially as a pillar of the law, and, the, and, and she definitely thinks the firm she's at that he was such a huge part of uh, is the right way to go. That's the right path. That's the right road to um, to travel and all of this. But Hamlin, even though she finds out he's not he's not the one behind always thwarting Jimmy, that's not that unusual because uh, every time I tell Jimmy's character to um, to worry about himself and you know with the billboard scene and don't make it a personal vendetta, it's always in the vein of because you are, you could be something amazing on your own if you let go of these other personal conflicts. She never agrees that Howard's a villain, and I don't think she thought he was. The first time you see her shaken by, huh, so that's how loyalty works, is when he boots her out because she loses the Kettleman through <laughs> no fault of her own. And I think that shook her a lot, and so she's really starting to question, um, in my estimation, like, so what is the good and the bad and the right and the wrong? And, okay, so that's who Chuck is that I thought was an untouchable pillar of ethics and law. And that's who Hamlin is, depending on if the chips are up or, you know, are down. And the person you're calling everyone thinks is like slipping Jimmy is the least duplicitous and the most loyal of anybody. Yeah. So you- I think that's what I thought she walked away from is like shaken, very shaken by somebody trying to mess with your foundation of how you, you know, whatever your moral compass is in life, when somebody starts shifting the needle, it's mm-hmm. unsettling, but none of it is worth, as, she, as you see in pen. She just tells him very simply, and it was written beautifully, that all I say is, I didn't want you hitting your brother, and that was enough for Kim to take whatever abuse he hurled at her. So, uh, on that same note, what do you think Kim's reaction will be when she learns that Jimmy walked away from the opportunity and the meeting that she set up with uh, the attorneys from Davis and Maine in the season finale? Yeah, she will ask 
happens out a lot, and I'm not sure. I'm still pondering that. Like, what is was she just left there, <laughs> you know, furious or fuming? Or, well, I've had a lot of different thoughts on it, and I've gone a lot of different directions. I'm very excited to see where they pick up with that. Um, I think she did go out of her way to make that uh, possibility a reality. Um, and she probably doesn't like being embarrassed, can not enjoy that uh, in front of the other partners and everything. However, she continually tries to get Jimmy to be able to get whatever he wants and be the best him he can be. And, and uh, again, in Billboard episodes, you see that she wants him to do what's best for him. But she also <laughs> smiles when no one's looking at his crazy stunt of having somebody fall off the billboard. Um, so I don't, I think it could go in, in any direction. If she really thinks that he's got to do something else and follow his passion, um, I don't know. She might be supportive or have a ton more questions or, you know, like I said, her foundation has been sh shaken to the point where I'm not really sure what she thinks of his decisions at this point. Gotcha. Uh, we only have a couple minutes uh, left, so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take up too much of your time, but I, I have to just put this out here. Uh, my wife loves uh, Romeo, oh. Romeo Michelle's, <laughs> and you actually played uh, a character named Ashley Schwartz in the ABC Family uh, prequel yeah. Romeo uh, for Romeo and Michelle. Do you think that there's going to be any chance of like a third Romeo and Michelle movie like set in present day where it really ties the whole universe together? I don't know, but we should definitely start a petition to Robin Schiff because she is brilliant, um, the writer and director of that. She's just amazing, and that character was so much fun to play. Just straight-up villain with an entirely different set of <laughs> social, <laughs> social norms and ethics that, like, don't exist, and she doesn't care that no one else gets them. Um, she operates completely by her own standards and it was just so much fun and oh my god and Catherine Heigl and Alex Breckenridge were amazing in it um, as well as um, uh, Alexandra who's now on um, Transparency was in it and uh, Nate Faxman who's gone on to be brilliant as a writer and an actor um, god we had fun <laughs> that was a really fun set I love hearing that there's a fan of it good 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 <laughs> well, that's good. Well, you know, with the success of Better Call Saul and uh, Kim being such a such a huge uh, such a huge character in that show, hopefully, you know, by the time Better Call Saul wraps up, we we can start a petition and, and we can get that third movie made. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. I love and if we if, if we make it in, if we make it happen, I promise you, Dave and I will we'll do a Romeo uh, Romy and Michelle podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Well, uh, well, Ray, thank you so much for uh, chatting with Dave and I today. Uh, I hope whatever you're doing. Thank you, uh, and thanks for your podcast. It's, it's really great. I've loved, I've loved listening to it. I'm a little behind because I had some tech problems in like the middle chunk of it, so I'm a little behind. But <laughs> your listeners are so, um, so astute, and it's been. Uh, I'm just, I'm beyond grateful that um, people are investing in the story and the characters, and um, you know, it used I had somebody walk up to me on the street the other day that said, look, I start, when I started watching, I was like, when are they going to hurry up and get to where Saul is Saul? And they said, in about midway through the season, I thought, like, well, you don't have to go that fast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they were like, I love watching this man uh, 
struggle to be good. It's, it became as riveting and heart-wrenching as watching, you know, the sociopath Walter White um, descend to that, like he was eaten alive by his ego, you know. Well, I... I, I hope uh, by the time it's all said and done, you know, I hope somebody puts a little bit of thought into uh, Kim Wexler spinoff. Oh, really? <laughs> and we'll do a podcast about that as well. How will I have well, time to do Romeo and Michelle and the Kim spinoff? This is, you know, we've got to... We've got we got to prioritize. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, once again, thank you so much for uh, chatting with Dave and I, and uh, good luck on season two. We, we can't see what they have in store for Kim next. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Talk to you again soon. All right. Absolutely. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Your customers are gone and your store is on the rocks. Spread around the gas because it's time to torch the stock.